Hi friend, let's be honest. If you're anything like me, your life probably feels busy, crazy, and full. But even in the midst of the day-to-day, and no matter what life stage you're currently in, maybe you find yourself constantly longing for something deeper, something real. Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. In truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if, you're not sure what path you're on. So for those who are skeptical, curious, or just need some encouragement, well, this podcast is for you. Come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. So today, friends, I'm going to be talking about the subject of identity and introducing that theme. But before I jump into some important things, um, I wanted to start today's episode by telling an embarrassing true story. Um, It's a true story about false eyelashes and true identities. Um, Some of you may have heard this story because I... (laughs) I've been admitting to it the last few days, but um, I wasn't sure I was actually going to share it in the podcast, except ironically, as I was sitting at a coffee shop yesterday trying to type out my notes for what I wanted to talk about today, um, there was a small group of older women right next to me who were talking about what else, false eyelashes and permanent cosmetics. So um, I'll take that as a sign. (laughs) Um, Some of you may know that this past week, I was at a very special retreat um, down in Texas hosted by an author and speaker named Crystal Evans Hurst. It was a long journey um, trying to coordinate things for my husband, our four kids, an Italian exchange student getting help from my parents, planning travel and lodging um, from 2,500 miles away, figuring out the finances involved. Um, I mean, it was a journey, right? (laughs) But last spring, my husband and I sat down and decided I could go to like one big thing. And I have to tell you, I loved the writer's conference that I attended last summer Um, I loved the writer's conference that I had the opportunity to photograph this past summer. Um, But ultimately, I, instead of going to a writer's conference, I chose to go to Crystal's Sister Circle Retreat and Writer's Speaker Summit, which was an extra day added on to the retreat. Because more than information um, in this season, I really wanted some help with my heart posture, if that makes sense. Um... I for sure don't know all the things, right? (laughs) And gathering information is so great. Um, And writers' conferences are so beneficial. But of all the opportunities and things I could be or should be doing, um, I know a lot of those things. And it's not that I I don't know that I need to do them. It's that uh, I want my heart to be in the right place when I do them. Um, I need to remember why I'm actually doing them and then just do it. Um, 
I hope that makes sense, but that's kind of where I've been. So um, last year when I saw a YouTube video of Crystal and her family authentically sharing their faith in the midst of just tremendous loss, um, I was so moved. And you guys uh, know, um, I shared this in the introductory episode, but I grew up in the Christian faith. Um, I have seen my fair share of sermons and altar calls and some really powerful Holy Spirit moments, right? But when I saw that video of their family processing their grief out loud, um, it was powerful. And it was absolute light shining through intense brokenness. Um, So as an aside, if you want to know more about that video, I highly recommend you go to YouTube and search for Evan's Family Discusses Faith and Loss. It's about 45 minutes and it's worth your time. So I decided I wanted to learn more from them. So I admire Crystal and her ministry. Um, She just has a heart for connecting women and for equipping them. I admire her sister Priscilla Shire who authors Bible studies. She's recently starred in some movies um, and she's just encouraging people and women, especially thousands upon thousands of them across the globe. I admire their father, Dr. Tony Evans, who faithfully preaches and teaches with authority, love and conviction. Um, I love the way they are living out loud to share the gospel. It's um, something I deeply admire. So I chose to go to that retreat Um, I signed up for it knowing there would only be about 25 or so summit attendees and about 200 women at the actual retreat. And I knew no one. Um, And I don't know if you ever feel like this, but you follow somebody maybe on Instagram or social media or on YouTube and you feel like you know them, but you know, it's not real. Like they, they really don't know you. Um, (laughs) it's kind of this weird dynamic, right? You know a lot more about them than they know anything about you. So, um, I, I signed up for the right reasons. I, I believe I signed up for the right reasons that heart posture thing. I had the best of intentions. Um, but then I started to feel the familiar pains of insecurity, right? Um, So I did what I'm prone to do when I'm preparing for the future. I started dreaming. I started to imagine that I would make friends um, with Crystal and her family. I imagined I'd be, uh, I'd come away refocused and rejuvenated and with wonderful ideas for the future. I imagined I would ask for podcast interviews, that I would be bold and courageous and put together, you know, and I imagine I would come away with a sense of direction or as my husband told me so lovingly, I might add, to get out of my funk. Um, but truth is, I was nervous. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know anybody. Um, they don't know me. So maybe I'll ask you, what would you do if you were feeling insecure or nervous and you knew you were going to meet people that you were really excited and you had a lot of expectations wrapped up in this experience? What would you do? Um, I <laughs> I thought to myself, um, I would do what sometimes offsets my social anxiety and overwhelm. Um, I'd like to say I prayed, but <laughs> we did some of that too. But I went shopping and I got my hair done, right? So um, 
I don't know. Have you ever done that? Made an extra effort when you wanted to impress people? Um, It just makes me feel better to wear clothes I feel good in. And nothing in my closet ever feels as good as the new things I find on a rack with tags on. You know, so come on. Getting my hair done is standard operating procedure for any time I want to feel somewhat confident in my appearance. But when I went shopping, I noticed something. There was an Ulta store strategically located between the two clothing stores that I was planning on going to. What luck, right? So I went into the Ulta store. And for those who don't know, an Ulta store is this massive cosmetic and beauty store um, with a great return policy, I should say. And I went and I tried on a couple bold shades of lipstick um, because I wanted to make an impression. Something that said confident and put together and speaker and writer. But then it occurred to me, a thought that has occurred to me for the last five years, if I'm being honest, because I'm not 40 yet, but I've I've thought about any time I watch a rerun of I Love Lucy, uh, and my family watches these a lot, especially my little kids, they love I Love Lucy, I marvel at how a 40-something-year-old woman can look so fantastic. And do you know the secret? Do you know the secret to Lucille Ball looking so amazing? It's the false eyelashes. Um, So I had this aha moment, yes, False eyelashes would make me feel more confident for this retreat. I asked the lady who was helping me at the Ulta if some sort of magical pair existed, because let's be honest, I have tried eyelashes throughout the years, and they've always been a disaster for me. The glue has stung my eyes, gotten in the way of everything. I haven't been able to apply them properly. I tried magnetic lashes before. It was a disaster. I asked her if there was anything that I could apply without hours of trial and error or muscle memory, and she showed me the new and improved magnetic lashes that are out there on the market now. So you guys, if you've ever tried the classic magnetic lashes, I mean, by by classic, I mean the kind that have been out for a couple of years, you know that they are impossible suckers to put on. Um, if you've had luck, let me know. But these these babies, the ones that the saleswoman was telling me about, stick to a magnetic eyeliner. And she said she had faith that even I (laughs) could do it. And if I couldn't, I could always return the lashes, even if I had opened the pack. So how could I refuse? These lashes were like a guaranteed uh, thing, right? So I bought a pair for around 20 bucks and I went home. And a couple days later, right before I left for the retreat, I tried them on. It took me about 10 minutes to open the package because it was very securely in there um, and about five minutes to put them on. I got them on and guess what? They looked good, right? So (laughs) woohoo! for all those Texas ladies would know, I am the kind of woman who wears false lashes and I was so proud of myself. But then I realized one edge of the lashes wasn't sticking properly. And use their air, I'm sure, right? Because I had pried these things off of the package. So I decided that maybe I had accidentally peeled off a magnet or something. And I could drive a few miles out of my way on the way to the airport to get a fresh new pair, thanks to Ulta's return policy. So that's what I did. My little girl and I took a detour to Ulta. I traded in the lashes and we drove another three hours to my parents' house. And after a few hours of visiting with my folks, we piled into the car 
and headed for my red-eye flight from the SeaTac airport. So once I was in Texas, I had a full day to myself, which when you have five five children, uh, four children and a teenager living in your home, it's a rarity, right? I slept, I walked across the street, past the Ulta, which ironic, don't you think? Um, and into Marshalls and bought myself a blanket, some workout clothes and stack items that wouldn't fit in my luggage. I ate Chick-fil-A all to myself and marveled at the gift of the quietness. I had some time to reflect and pray and really prepare myself mentally for this retreat that I was so excited to go to. Um, and the next day I woke up and listen, I spent a considerable amount of time in front of the mirror. Um, I was convinced I was going to make an impression, right? Um, <laughs> but when the time came to put those magnetic lashes on, I couldn't find the package. Because horror of horrors, I had left them at my parents' house 2,500 miles away. So <laughs> I was determined. Um, I knew what I had to do. I schlepped over to the Ulta store across the street, which when I say across the street, I mean, it was it was a ways, but you know, 15 minute walk. I get there. Um, I was a woman on a mission. I bought another pack of lashes. I headed back to the hotel. Um, and by this time, I no longer had my own room um, and put those things on in the hotel lobby bathroom. And guess what? They looked good. And I felt good. So I told the hotel clerks all about it. I was laughing at myself. They were laughing with me. They had a good chuckle at my expense, I'm sure. I went to call my friend in Chicago, and that's when I accidentally touched my eyelid and wondered if I had lost my magnetic lashes as quickly as I had put them on. Talk about self-conscious, right? So... <laughs> I turned my phone on selfie mode. I was wearing enough eye makeup. I couldn't 100% tell whether I was missing my fake lashes on one eye or not. I spent the next five minutes obsessing and looking on and around the chair that I was sitting at. <laughs> Nothing says confident like, uh, you know, climbing all over a chair. So then I went back to the bathroom and I knew it was officially gone when I tried to pull off my own, you know, God-given lashes. So... <laughs> I went back to the lobby and I was sulking a little bit. I had a new friend who was going to be picking me up any minute. And I, I knew that this grand adventure where I had now purchased three packs of eyelashes was coming to an end. But there on the white travertine tile, halfway between the reception desk and the lobby area I'd been sitting in was a black fuzzy thing. From far away, it looked like a black fuzzy spider. And guess what? It was my false eyelashes. <laughs> I snapped a photo because at this point I knew I was working on a story and there would be a happy ending. Dang it. I rolled my things back to the bathroom. And by this point, my ride, my friend, my new friend that I had never met had texted to say she was at the hotel, but I knew I had to run to the bathroom and give this thing one more shot. So I started to put the eyelash back on my eyes and that's when it occurred to me that God gives us eyelashes precisely so we can keep bacteria out of our eyes. And I was about to attach an eyelash that had been on the dirty floor of a hotel lobby, stomped on possibly. And what was I thinking? At this point, I realized I was being ridiculous. So I stashed both eyelashes in my pocket and I went outside to meet my new friend 
she, <laughs> this was uh, an, an awesome moment. She said she needed to go to the drugstore and me being determined to have a happy ending. Um, I went in and I bought myself yet another pack of eyelashes. And in case you're counting, yes, that was my fourth pack. On the 15-minute drive to the retreat center, my new friend Lena and I instantly bonded between laughter and similar stories of trying to impress people and things that are ridiculous. But I would not be deterred, you guys. I lowered the visor mirror. I took out that final pack of eyelashes, pulled the container open, applied the lash to my eye, and... (laughs) It was ridiculous. I had picked the wrong ones. These eyelashes were clearly of the dramatic nighttime variety. Feeling a little ho-hum about my appearance is one thing, but feeling like I'm ready for neon lights is another. And it wasn't quite the look I was going for. And I know, even as I'm telling the story in retrospect, I should have stopped there. Maybe I should have stopped before that. I should have succumbed to circumstances beyond my control. I should have given up. I should have asked myself, what is it that I'm trying to achieve by these ridiculous eyelashes? But listen, I was on a mission. This was becoming less about my appearance and a lot more about making a point. And that's when I had my eureka moment. It suddenly occurred to me that I had a dirty eyelash in my pocket and some hand sanitizer in my purse. So I asked my new friend if my scheme might work to douse that eyelash (laughs) in the hand sanitizer. And she suggested that in theory, yes, it just might work. And let me tell you, I loved her instantly. A few minutes later, my dirty fake eyelashes were disinfected, dry and good to go. And I had them back on my eyelids. I felt good. I walked into that registration room at the retreat, feeling ready to take on the world. I had my fake eyelashes on, and I was feeling like a self-conscious queen. And after less than five minutes, out of the corner of my left eye, I watched it float away. A black, blurry blob, never to be seen again. And oh, let me tell you, I got down on my hands and knees right there in the middle of registration half-jokingly quipping that I was looking for a black fuzzy spider. I thought it couldn't have gone far, right? Where was it? Where could it have gone? I laughed at myself at the absurdity of the whole thing. Some people must not have heard the punchline because one woman actually thought that I had some twisted form of arachnophobia. I know this because she asked me five minutes later when I was still on my hands and knees if I must really have a thing for spiders. (laughs) I guess the kind of thing where you end up on the ground on your hands and knees looking for that one spider that got away. But you know what? Even though I was completely unable in that moment to accurately articulate the details of my fake eyelash saga, I made friends because of my ridiculousness that day. C.S. Lewis once said, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. That moment might have been me on my hands and knees before the registration table at the Sister Circle retreat. That moment I lost all pride and sense of dignity. That moment I was just totally real in my mess. (laughs) 
And let's be honest, I also made friends a couple days later when I met some lovely ladies from the South who told me about a more expensive pair of magnetic eyelashes that ironically would have cost a, probably less than the four pairs I bought on my quest for confidence. But I digress. If you're just joining us, I am your host, Janelle Wood, <laughs> and today I'm recording solo while introducing a new concept in the series we've been going through on ish, identity and impetus. And aside from the very first episode where I introduced this series and said a brief hello, we've spent our time interviewing friends about their stories and having conversations about ish, meaning the things that can keep us from finding something real in Jesus Christ. I talked with Thomas from China about worldview. I talked with Nicole Barnett about distractions. I talked with college student Alyssa about hurt. I talked with photographer Megan Kelsey Glassbrenner about doubt. I talked with mental health therapist Bree Jeffries about heartbreak. And we wrapped up the ish conversation with author and ministry leader Hillary Morgan Ferrer last week when we talked about cultural trends and questions that are being asked by young people. In that extended bonus episode, we chatted about her book, which is excellent, by the way, Mama Bear Apologetics. And she also also vulnerably shared some major pain points from her journey. So friends, you may wonder what my eyelash story has to do with the topic of identity, and I'll probably get there. But just a reminder that if you have not listened to those previous episodes on the topic of ish, I encourage you to take the time and go back and have a listen. I don't know about you, but I love hearing people's personal journeys. And I got so much encouragement and and insight from each of those guests. Um, I'm feeling extremely grateful to them for taking the time to share here on the Finding Something Real podcast. But today, as you've noticed, I'm shifting gears to start talking about identity. And nothing says identity like a false eyelash story, right? Um, Because what was I trying to achieve? What did I want? I wanted confidence. I wanted to feel accepted. I wanted to be loved. Uh, Really, that's what that was about, right? Identity means the act or the fact of being. So my question for you is, who gets to decide your identity? What do you want your identity to be? Depending on the season of my life, I've had different answers for that question. For many years, I wanted to be an author or magazine journalist. Then I wanted to be a famous actress who lived in New York. Then I just dreamt of being a guest on the Oprah show, jumping on her yellow chairs and talking about my latest brilliant project. Then I became a wife and mother and my goals became a little more realistic, I guess you could say. I wanted to be the hands-on mom who devoted hours to playing with her kids and making Pinterest-worthy crafts with them. I wanted to be a sexy wife who ran marathons, cooked like Martha Stewart, and whose house looked like a page ripped from the Pottery Barn catalog. But let's be honest, just because I wanted a particular identity or had a specific dream did not mean I actually became any of those things. You see, there's a big gap between the wanting and the becoming. And sometimes you find that just because you want something and even work hard for it does not mean that it will become. Because if I were to go back to all my dreams and aspirations, all my desires to become, I would find that most of them were rooted in similar longings, the longing to belong, to be significant, to leave a mark, to be loved. The longing for a certain identity comes from our deepest desires. It comes from a place of longing for something real. It comes from longing for things that I believe only Christ can fully provide. 
We can try to manufacture temporary identities all day long. We can wear the false eyelashes, get fancy degrees and letters behind our names. We can even brag about our to-do list a mile long like it's some sort of competition with the other woman in the checkout line. And none of those things are necessarily bad, but those temporary identities change according to the seasons in our lives. And at the end of the day, we're all sinners in need of a Savior who alone offers restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Lauren Daigle wrote a very popular song that has resonated with this generation, and it's called You Say. It's crossed over from the Christian music scene, and you can hear it everywhere. It's beautiful and true. One of the lyrics goes, You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I am weak. And you say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. And I believe what you say of me. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. I love that song. But here's the thing. God also says we do fall short. We need him. Our identity isn't found in how great we are. It's found in how great he is. Just like the song, in him we find our worth. In him we find our identity. There's an old song uh, that's not as popular right now, right? It's called How Great the Father's Love for Us. It talks about being a wretch that's been saved. Not exactly feel-good material except that it is. The gospel says that we are sinners in need of a savior. It says we are fallen and messed up and we can't save ourselves. And then it says that God so loved us, he sent his only son on a rescue mission for us. Imagine that. The God of the universe lowering himself to life here on earth, and not only life, but tremendous suffering and death, so he could provide a rescue plan for sinners like you and me. We are a mess. We're prone to making ridiculous fools of ourselves. We're prone to screwing up over and over again. And yet the message of the gospel says, you and I are deeply loved. We are God's handiwork. We matter. Yes, you are loved. You matter. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's creation. And that message also says, we have a choice. We can choose to believe and accept what God freely offers. Salvation is a free gift for anyone, no matter whether you come from a Christian home, no matter where where your background is from, or how many mistakes you've made, or we can accept that, or we can choose to try to forge our own path and see where that takes us. It's a free choice. And I know some of you listening may not believe what I'm saying, but that doesn't change how much God loves you or the fact that he died for you. But that's our choice to believe. It's our decision whether we accept his gift. I had a couple people recently tell me that I should be more vulnerable about who I am in my podcast. So here you go. I already told the eyelash story. Um, But from the time I was a little girl, I felt like I was aching for love. I experienced rejection as a child from people I adored and I longed to be accepted by them. So I looked for it in romantic idealization, in big dreams, and sometimes toxic relationships. And deep down, as I've shared before, no matter where I was in life, a teenager longing for the boy to ask me to prom, the college student wishing I was someone else and my boyfriend would love me, 
the young married, uh, mad that my husband wasn't paying me enough attention, the young mom who felt like life had become an endless stream of dirty diapers, dirty laundry, and dirty floors. I longed for love. I longed for restoration. I longed for meaning. I longed, longed for authenticity. I wanted something real. I wanted to know that I was more than my failures, more than my insecurities, more than my crazy dreams, more than the garbage of my past. I wanted more. And let's be honest, my identity hasn't been found by looking inside me. Hillary Morgan Ferrer shared last week not to look inside. We're the ones who are confused. It's true. I found my identity by looking to Christ. I recently read a blog article from January 2017 called Dear Woman's Ministry, Stop Telling Me I'm Beautiful, written by a woman named Felicia Meisenheimer. And speaking about God, Felicia summed things up by saying, when our minds think about who he is instead of who we are, we find an identity wrapped in eternal purpose. True identity is found in what we believe about him, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And deep down, no matter what background you come from, whatever your faith background is, I believe you know there's something more. You know it because you long for it too. As human beings, we long for things this world and all its reasoning and all of our tryings cannot explain or fill. We long for love, the kind of love that makes us cry when the hero dies rescuing the person who needs saving the kind of love that's eternal. We long for restoration, the kind of restoration where wounds are healed, debts forgiven, the toxic make, made clean. We long for eternity, the kind of eternity that causes our souls to cry out with sobs of injustice. When the coffins look too small, the diagnosis is grim, and the loved one's heart stops beating. We long for authenticity. We don't want fake or artificial. We want genuineness. We want truth. You were created by a loving God who desires you to know him and his heart for you and the sacrifice he made for you. And in response to that sacrifice, you will know who you are and spend your time here on earth doing what you were designed to do, mainly to share that love with others. That's who we are. We're not the reject, the unloved, the fatherless, the ugly, or any other label that the world has thrown at us or what we've worn with shame and fear and insecurity. We're none of that. We are the handiwork of the one true king. So it's a choice, and I'm choosing to put my identity in his hands, even on the days when I want to put my trust in other things, things like fake eyelashes, fancy hairdos, and new clothes. My identity is found in something deeper, like that old hymn, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. We are his treasure, but we have to believe it. What will you believe today? Come back next week as we talk with some more friends about identity and how following Christ has impacted what they believe about themselves. I pray you'll be encouraged and inspired. And I'll see you on Instagram around 5 p.m. on Thursdays, which is tonight, um, to chat about this episode and answer any questions you might have. That's 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Remember, friend, you are loved. You have a purpose. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. If you love this series, hit subscribe and come back next week when we talk with another guest about their story towards finding something real. Per usual, you can also follow along on Instagram at Janelle underscore M underscore Wood 
or using the hashtag finding something real. Every Thursday around 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I try to jump on there and host an Instagram live where we recap the week's episode, talk with friends and answer any questions that might come up. So feel free to join me on there. And of course, you can also sign up for the free study guide that goes along with this current series by heading over to my website at www.janellewood.com. Remember friends, you are loved and have a purpose. Until next time.